Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back in. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, where a fresh Friday edition is underway for the second time. Uh, it happened to us again. Midway through recording, more Penn State news drops. It's been a pretty newsy Friday morning here in Happy Valley, and Sean and I are ready to cover all of it. It begins, Sean, with, with the coaching move that, that we just spent a bunch of time talking about uh, on the podcast version that will never be heard of this episode. But uh, Ty Howell, an internal promotion, a former Nittany Lion player, your initial thoughts as we jump back into this <laughs> this episode part two. Yeah, this is uh, the second time we've tried tried going today, and it's uh, well. I told you before the first time that we needed. To, I, I texted you and Mark. I said we got to get our stuff in a row for Ty Howe because it's going to be coming at some point. It came a little bit sooner than we expected, so had to shift gears and and do a couple things. That that outtake will be buried forever, I guess. And the uh, the ten minutes that we spent talking about the job and and Holden stays decommitting will just be forever lost. Uh, anyway, but uh, Ty Howe, this is a guy that we followed. I mean, I I can remember Ty Howe committing to Penn state you know back in back in the day and that makes me feel really old uh, but at the same time this is a guy that we identified as one of the candidates uh, you know from the jump uh, there were some guys on, on the outside you know Adam Brenneman obviously was brought up a couple of other guys with with coordinator experience but Ty Howell one of those in-house candidates that uh, that James Franklin's really liked for a long time uh, you know it's, it was not a, sit, a situation where there you know was a ton of connections there as as Ty Howell left or excuse me Ty Howell departed the program. He worked a little bit with the strength and conditioning coach. Then he went to NC State as a graduate assistant and then popped up for former Penn State assistant Charlie Fisher at Western Illinois. Eventually rose to the co-offensive coordinator role there, coached the offensive line, was recruiting coordinator, wore a bunch of hats for Western Illinois, and then jumped uh, to Penn State in an analyst role. And I think that's that's a key moment right there because you bring in analysts of guys that either you've worked with in the past. We see Larry Lewis, who James Franklin worked with uh, at, at Idaho. Um, Idaho State. And, you know, but there's these different set of rules for maybe a younger guy. So when you're looking at bringing in a guy like Ty Howell, who obviously, you know, still in his mid 20s, um, you know, this is a situation where, you know, maybe you're looking to see can he fill that role? Can he fill a role for you in the future as opposed to a guy that's, I don't want to call them retreads, but guys that, uh, you know, are a little bit older in the profession. So, it's kind of a, a trial run for him as an analyst, and that uh, position we we expected to come open, you know, at some point with Tyler Bowen as a rising star, and you know it, it, it kind of popped back to Ty Howe. What does he bring to the table? Well, he's worked in a recruiting role, he's worked in an offensive line role, tight ends. Uh, not to slight any tight end coaches here, but tight end coaches usually at the bottom of the rung, usually a, a position where guys can sort of plug in. You can get a running backs coach in, you can get a receivers coach, an offensive line coach, plug them into tight ends because it is a smaller role because you're only, you know, uh, coaching one small group of guys. So 
I mean, I think it's a, a smart hire in that sense. He's a guy that's very well respected in the building. He's a guy that, you know, has started to earn his recruiting chops was, was sort of a sidekick to Tyler Bowen. And I think that's really where you, you know, when you're looking at positives for this hire as a guy that can fill a lot of the roles that Tyler Bowen was trying to fill at some point. Uh, you know, you're not going to say it's an upgrade. I mean, Tyler Bowen's tremendous coach and tough to replace. Um, but you're getting a guy that's familiar with how things work in the building. You're getting a guy that's got, uh, you know, on the upper trajectory of his own career and you know this is a great opportunity for Hal to get in and try and make a statement as 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 a rising coach ty howell will turn 30 years old next summer uh, is he that old yeah My god but- i know i know he's got you know a couple of young kids and things but i i didn't want to face the reality that he was you know close to 30 because that makes me feel even worse man well you must have been pretty young yourself when you covered his high, his commitment coming out of high school then what must have been one of the earlier uh re- reports on, on your end but um, yeah, a, a guy who, you know, he may not be 25 years old like Adam Brenneman, and a name that you had mentioned, speculated uh, being part of this job, especially among fans, kind of wanting that to happen. But here's a guy who certainly has his roots in Happy Valley, uh, certainly has his roots in this tight end room itself, you know, working as an offensive analyst. He's going to be familiar uh, with everybody in this room returning in 2021. They're going to be familiar with him. I think that's an important part of the process as well. Um, and, and his name did come up a lot from recruits, uh, you know, even, and we're going to get to in a moment with Holden Stays decommitting. That was how we let off the show initially. Uh, we'll get to that in a second with, with a 2022 decommitment at tight end. But when you saw Stays, you know, thank the Penn State staff for recruiting him, getting to know him, he mentioned James Franklin. He mentioned Tyler Bowen. He also mentioned Ty Howell. And I don't know about you, Sean, but we have spent a lot of time mentioning, uh, the fact that, Dion Barnes' name comes up a lot when we speak with defensive recruits nowadays, and, and he's a graduate assistant working with John Scott in that defensive line room. Conversely, I feel like almost every offensive prospect, offensive lineman, tight ends, Ty Howell is a name that they go out of their way to bring up and say, this is a guy who's been in direct contact. He's been you know, letting me feel very uh, wanted and prioritized by Penn State. So, like you said, he's had his kind of hand in a lot of different roles, not just the guy who's been working behind the scenes away from everything it takes to be a positional coach at the Power Five level. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's something that's important there is he's learned, you know, with the rule changes that they've had. And of course, with the, uh, you know, with, with the way things have changed in the last 10 months with not being able to host guys, analysts have gotten more involved. And, and a young guy like Hal has been able to not only sit beside Tyler Bowen, but also, you know, take on some roles of his own and, and get some guys in there. So he's helped out Troutwine. You know, he, he kind of knows that offense. By the way, Taylor Stubblefield, uh, you know, ascended to the role of offensive recruiting coordinator, which is you know, I, I, it's a big, a big debate on the board right now. A little bit more of a title than an actual role because Andy Frank's got his recruiting role or his recruiting uh, staff here, which, by the way, there was a small change there. Eric Thatcher, who was an assistant recruiting coordinator, is now the safeties coach at Albany. So congratulations to him. Um, but that, that's that's where all the the grunt work goes. That's where all the the leg work happens with the, with the down below guys. So offensive recruiting coordinator, defensive recruiting coordinator. Um, titles for money sort of thing. And you know what is, they is get too? Of, they get the yeah. spotlight on signing day. They, they're the ones who sit up there and talk about the great class that they signed. They usually do, of course, recognize the support staff. But can we just say in the 12 months he's been on campus, that recruiting reputation about Taylor Stubblefield has come a long way, Sean. Yes, it certainly has. And and we'll see if he can ha- – if you can – 
get a similar boost for Ty Howe. I mean, obviously, the tight end position is something that has recruited itself fairly well. Uh, on the first ep- edition of this podcast, we talked about Holden stays backing away. Now, Howe will have a chance to maybe try and get back in with it. I, I, that's a tough ask, especially for a kid from Georgia to get back up here with the offers that he has. Um, but you've got the reputation of what you've been able to do. Of course, you worked alongside Tyler Bowen. I'm sure Tyler Bowen has some great things to say about Ty Howe, so that certainly helps. Um, but you've got a chance to reach out to a Jerry Cross, who's been you know, getting out there, uh, getting his name out there, reaching out to schools and things like that. You've got a chance to sort of flip that one on its head and, and maybe keep yourselves in it. Um, will Penn State go with two tight ends in this next cycle? I think that's still up to 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 uh, you know. I think that's probably still up in the air right now. But you've got. Ty Howe is going to bring in his own sense of evaluation. He's going to bring in his own processes with how he looks at guys. Of course, he's still a young guy on the staff, probably doesn't have as much pool as a Tyler Bowen would have had at some point. So do you still take two, two, two tight ends in the 2022 class? As you can tell, we're spinning here. Just, uh, I'm all over the place with, with my comments. Tyler is a little bit more professional and, and grounded than I am. Um, little, and, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, he's, he, he got his rant in at the, uh, on the first episode of the week. So I'm kind of doing my thing right now, just <laughs> bouncing all over the place. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's just a really interesting, um, opportunity for Ty Howe. I think it's a good hire. I think it's a guy that obviously I've been around for a long, long time, think a lot of him. I know Charlie Fisher, who we work for at Western Illinois, thinks a lot out of him. Uh, James Franklin would not have brought in a guy in his upper 20s as an analyst if he didn't think he could potentially work for him one day. And if you think you've got a guy on the staff that can eventually be a position coach for you and you think it's the right time, it, it, it makes sense. A lot of uh, immediate outpouring from members of the Penn State football community on social media about this hire. I would expect we'll see more. Um, you had a good one. Uh, John Urschel, a very smart man, and he supports this decision wholeheartedly. So uh, maybe a, a voice to listen to there. You look at the, the resume he had as a player, you know, started parts of two different seasons at guard and at center. But then you think about, okay, what else makes a coach? There's a lot of, a, a lot of players out there, a lot of guys who have played football, you look at this well-rounded resume. He was the Total Commitment Award winner in 2011. Uh, he's a guy who was a four-time All-Academic uh, selection by the Big Ten. Um, you know, just just left campus with a, a really impressive kind of total comprehensive package as a Penn State student athlete. Now he's a guy representing your coaching staff, and um, you know, the, the initial feedback here is is he is a guy who was born to lead, and that's what you need at this spot. That's what you need at the Power Five level. Um, and, and obviously, we're going to learn a lot about this. But how about the room he gets to take over here, Sean? Because a lot of tight end coaches, particularly those looking for their first time as a tight ends coach, uh, what a group to inherit. You, you lose. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Before we get to that, he's also a coach's son. David Howell was a coach at Bun, uh, Bun High School for a long, long time. Tremendously respected down there. Just, uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet down there. Um, I don't know that that's going to open up the Carolinas for, for Penn State or anything like that, but it's worth noting, son of a coach. He knows what goes into this. And, and that's really something that I think can't be overlooked. Uh, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are going to look at this and see, okay, he's a former letter winner. He's Penn State grad. Uh, that's what vaulted him into that position. I think you kind of have to take the opposite approach of it, separate all that stuff from what he brings to the table. And then it's just sort of gravy on top there is, is, you know, you can add that in. It's going to make some donors happy. It's going to make some people happy. They've got these connections to the past program. But at the same time, Ty Howell, I think, got this job on his own merit. I'm going to halt myself from going into the tight end personnel group because I want to ask you, you, you covered this one closely. 
Um, you were ahead on the Tyler Bowen departure news going to the Jaguars. How extensive, how comprehensive was this coaching search uh, for James Franklin before he arrived at this conclusion? Yeah, this is something that got underway late last week. I mean, we, uh, you know, the Bowen news didn't leak out until earlier this week, but it was, it was something that, you know, James Franklin got into motion, uh, interviewed candidates on the staff, interviewed guys, you know, across the country. We mentioned Adam Brenneman a couple of times. He was certainly in the mix, a couple of other coordinators, um, in the mix as well. So this is something that, you know, he wanted to get done, but, you know, in a way that he does be thorough with it. And that's something that, you know, sort of we heard, uh, you know, in the last couple of days, Ty Howe's men- name was mentioned more and more. And, you know, it just kind of made sense there. And, and, and that, like I said, before we went on the air for the first time, we started getting our ducks in a row to get this, this thing going and get this out to the public. And, you know, they, they wanted to move fast. And by the way, they've got a schedule release. Uh, the Big Ten has a schedule release coming out this afternoon, which we're not doing an emergency episode for. We're not doing another episode for. We're not even going to wait for that. We actually had a uh, Eric Wilson on the on the hook for an interview for today. We're going to push that one back to next week. So the tight end room, uh, excuse me, the tight end discussion, it's sort of taking pref- preference over everything else that we do right now. Tight end takeover on this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. And like you just said, Eric Wilson, the Harvard transfer, uh, we plan on getting him on the podcast for a conversation. Uh, look for that next week. There's a couple other things that we had on the agenda for today. They're now getting pushed into next week. And, and when it's you know, the middle of the winter, we'll take the we'll take the bonus material, the bonus content, and we'll stockpile that a bit. But keeping the attention on that tight ends room, uh, the the collaboration of Tyler Bowen and Pat Fryermuth, and that's kind of been the face of this group here for two three years. That is over. That era is gone. Ty, Ty Howell steps up, and then you've got a bunch of tight ends who would love to step up. Brenton Strange was the starter down the stretch last year. Theo Johnson emerged in a big way down the stretch as well. We saw some of Tyler Warren involved at tight end. Zach Kuntz, in his fourth year on campus, has not broken through as a consistent contributor. And Kuntz, at this point, Sean, is the only guy on scholarship in the 2021 roster at tight end who is not carrying freshman eligibility. He is a, a, a fourth-year sophomore because of the NCAA pause on that eligibility clock. You've got a third-year freshman in Brenton Strange. Uh, you've got a second-year freshman in Tyler Warren and another one in Theo Johnson. And then you've got the true freshman, Killiel Dinkins, coming in from out of the Pittsburgh area, a guy who we've talked about. Maybe there's a really high ceiling for him at linebacker. Uh, Tyler Bowen on, in, back in December, so they really like what he can add to the tight end room. He's a guy who can maybe see the field early during his college career. So the pressure's on Zach Koontz. It already was on Zach Koontz because he's got to make a move in his college career. And that's not going to get any easier with this burgeoning young talent. And I know you hate when I throw out all these phrases like third-year freshman and fourth-year sophomores, but right now there's no way around it. I'm still getting over Ty Howe's age, so we're, we're a ways from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, whoever took over this job, and obviously it's Ty Howe now, was going to work walk into a pretty good room. Um, guys, obviously, Pat Fryermuth has dominated um, the, the reps over the last couple of years, but you saw when he went down this year, Brenton Strange took over. Theo Johnson, by the end of the year, was coming around. I'm not sure that, that Koontz makes that move, to be honest with you, based on what's in front of him. Tyler Warren, of course, played this year as a true freshman. You've got Khalil Dinkins coming in, so uh, – 
you like what you see. I, we kind of touched on it before, but we spent so much of the first recording uh, focusing on Holden Stay's decommitment that uh, you know we, it's, it's worth mentioning now that obviously he backed off from things, but you still got Jerry Cross in that second uh, in that second spot or the other spot in that twenty two class. So you know you still got guys that are not really you know I, I don't want to say lining up in the positions recruiting itself, et cetera, et cetera. But Penn State's a pretty hot name for a tight end right now. So I would expect Ty Hal when he goes out there with that uh, with that logo on his jacket eventually when he does get back into high schools, whether that's this year or not, I, I don't know. Um, but you've got a little bit more clout to go with it. The the position is is obviously one of the premier spots to land as a tight end in the country. So I think he'll be okay going back out and, and maybe trying to replace Holden Stays, which I, I see that. I don't see that one coming back around just uh, just based on the the logistical aspects of, of where he's from. Um, so I, I think I think it's a good spot to walk into. Um, actually kind of gets us into our five-star mailbag question, which is, do you expect Brenton Strange to remain the starting tight end in 2021? If he does, is Theo Johnson the next man up? Or could someone else take that role? I, I agree with both of these. I do think Brenton Strange is the guy that's going to start this year. And, and obviously, Ty Howe's going to have his preference. Mike Yersich is going to work it in. Um, but I, I think Brenton Strange showed a lot as a – second year redshirt fret, whatever the hell he was this year. I don't know. You keep track of all that stuff and I don't. Um, but Theo Johnson, I think is going to be a really, really good one. Um, to me, it's not really is Brenton Strange the starter is Theo Johnson number two, etc. It's my curiosity comes with the usage of the tight end in this new offense. You know, as they look to spread things out, does this mean five wide receivers? Not necessarily, but you can get get five or excuse me, you can get five wide while playing two tight ends, and that's the exciting thing to me. Is Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson? These guys are dynamic athletes and, and really, really good football players. On top of that, and they can move around. They can, you know, be guys that can play outside. They can be guys that can play in the slot. They can line up as traditional tight ends as they showed this year. So I think that's probably what I'm most excited about is these guys are really freaking good. And I, I think they're going to be, you know, uh, you know, draft picks eventually because I think they've already shown uh, quite a bit from from what we've seen, the limited we've, amount we've seen on them. And you just know the physical talent is there just as that's a product of the way that they've recruited over the last three or four years at the position. It's a credit to Tyler Bowen. I mean, you can't go without saying that. Um, so I, I, I think I, I don't know how it's going to look, but I, I have a feeling the tight end is going to be in pretty good hands this year. I do think Strange is the starter. I think Theo Johnson will be the next man up. I don't know where Zach Koontz fits into that mix right now. Tyler Warren, is he ready to take that next stop? Because I see a a, you know, a pretty decent gap between those first two and those next two. And then Khalil Dinkins, of course, is going to come in. We're not sure w- what his career is going to look like, but uh, it's, it's, it's in a good spot right now. Um, I was in a good spot last year with Pat Frymuth. Of all the spots to think about and worry about with the offense, I'm not really feeling that uh, too much on that tight end level, regardless of who's coaching them. I'm loving this improvisational approach, just plucking things from our initial rundown that we put together this morning. The, the mailbag now goes here. That was our five-star mailbag, folks. Uh, go leave your five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'll get to more in the future. We got a bunch lined up. Keep them coming, please. But the one about tight end works we, so we well may, into this we conversation. May, yeah, we, we may end up actually doing like a mailbag episode. episode we may at some need point, to. You know? Yeah, we, we may, may need, need to. to yes. <laughs> We're going to bring you two episodes a week, uh, you know, fine print except for the weeks that we don't. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's going to be – yeah, we're going we're gonna to need you. We're going to lean on you at, at times this offseason. I hope you guys can come through on that. Mike Yersich, by the way, when, when, was, when he was asked about the fullback and 
you know, you heard me talk about that press conference earlier this week, but he mentioned a couple tight ends, you know, using multiple tight ends, 12, 13 personnel even. Um, and this seems to be the personnel unit that can still provide you with two contributors on the field at the same time, based on what we know about it. And, you know, we'll see what Tyler Warren has. He, he showed us something from a physicality standpoint down the stretch last year. And he was the only outlier on this group, Sean. And the other guys were all four-star type uh, tight ends, uh, top ten tight end prospects. Um, you've got this guy, Tyler Warren, who was the only three-star, but he had a, a really an interesting background with being a former quarterback, committed to Virginia Tech to act the quarterback position. And when we had Barton Simmons, who's now with the now with the Vanderbilt football program and formerly scouting director for Twenty Four Seven Sports, to talk about Tyler Warren. He said he feels like he's a guy who could down the road really, really overplay his prospect ranking because of the unknown variables about him as a tight end and also because of the athletic skill set. So he's a guy to, to keep tabs on. Do not forget about Tyler Warren. And again, Zach Koontz has work carved out for him. He talked about a kid who came in to campus back in 2018 with Pat Fryermuth, actually a few months ahead of Pat Fryermuth. As a guy who was a top five tight end prospect, it has not come together for him through those three seasons. And right now, it looks like he's been leapfrogged by some uh, you know, young talent that is, is not going anywhere anytime soon. That is what Tyle Howell is working with. You mentioned it, though. Uh, Holden stays. Uh, moving on just about two, three hours or so before uh, this Penn State coaching move was publicly announced. He said he has uh, separated himself from that Penn State commitment that he made last August, six months on board with the 2022 class. He's at number six tight end overall in that recruiting cycle. Um, you've got Jerry Cross out of Milwaukee. He's the number eight tight end. Uh, Stays made it to campus last August before he committed. There was a, a bit of a conversation there with a few tight ends in the mix to become that number two uh, option in the class after Jerry Cross committed in July. Cross still has not visited campus. Going to be very curious to get his feedback on how Penn State handled the coaching move. I do expect Jerry Cross to explore and, and, and engage in conversation with other with other staffs. Like all other members of this class, Sean, if camps open up across the country this spring and the summer, that's going to present a hurdle for everybody to keep their classes intact, including Penn State. They're off to a hot start, but you're going to have to weather some storms along the way. But I think if you were even before Bowen left, Sean, to line up the eight commitments that Penn State entered the week with and ordered them by most likely to end up elsewhere, Holden Stays would have been pretty high up on that list because of his lack of proximity to campus and because of all the early interest that was generated in the Southeast region before he committed to Penn State and that has continued to develop since he committed to Penn State. Well, Holden Stays is really good. I mean, that is no no doubt in my mind. He can you know pretty much play anywhere as a tight end. You look at where he's from. A lot of times when you're talking about situations like this, where you've got a coaching change, not only with your position coach but the offensive coordinator that you committed to, that uh, you know Kirk Shirak has gone as well. You know, it just kind of adds up. That was one of my first thoughts with, with the Bowen news is, okay, Holden stays probably not going to be able to stick around. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe he gives him a shot in the long run. Who's, who's to say? Um, but when you're going, especially south to north in a situation like this, it's a lot harder to keep a guy than a Jerry Cross who's coming, you know, you know, west to east or even south a little bit. Um, so I, I think it's going to be, um, 
tough to get back in with Holden stays. You have a shot with Jerry Cross. Jerry Cross has been amazing in terms of recruiting, in terms of like peer recruiting. And that's what we've talked about a bunch of times with the importance of having so many guys on so early is maybe you can keep a guy like Jerry Cross where a couple of years ago, that's probably not the case. So be interesting to see which direction his recruitment goes. I, I think he would be kind of selling himself short if he didn't check out his options and see what was, see what was out there. Um, I don't know that he'll completely open it up like Holden Stays did, uh, but this is a you know a challenge for for Ty Howe. It's one of the first challenges for Ty Howe to get in there to keep him on board to uh, you know get the message across that hey the position hasn't changed and 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 that's kind of the funny thing is you and I have talked about the potential for Tyler Bowen to leave. Uh, you know, quite a few times over the last year or two. Um, but, you know, when the reality of the situation hits, it kind of hits a little bit harder. Stays obviously open things up. Cross is, you know, exploring his options, getting his name out there, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll be interesting to see which direction this goes. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Will they still take two in 2022? It's hard to say. Um, but I, I think they'll be okay with, with that position. I mean, it's not, it's not quarterback. This isn't not like when Joe, Joe Moorhead was, was leaving and Justin Fields was sort of languishing there and, and not really, you know, feeling the vibe or whatever. Tight end is kind of a different story because tight end coaches, uh, of course, across the country, not just at Penn State, sort of come and go because of the nature of the role. Um, kind of makes sense for him to look around and, and to check things out. So we'll see where this goes. Um, you know, the, the, the Barnwell decommitment in 2023, which I, th- I think most of our listeners have probably already forgotten about. I didn't even think about it until right now either. That doesn't really have any at least, bearing at on least the situation. Half of, at least half the hosts of this podcast forgot about that. Yeah, that's not a surprise and it really has nothing to do with what's going on. I mean, the chances of of him playing for Tyler Bowen, you know, just on a level playing field, even even if the Jaguars job didn't come open or come along, still pretty low. So that's not something you take into fa- factor into account here. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see which direction this goes. It'll be interesting to, to me um, where things go after Tyler Bowen in the DMV. Uh, Ty Howell, you know, doesn't have an established territory. I'm sure they shift things around, try and make things work closer to home um, in Maryland and Virginia. But that's going to be a you know sort of a gaping hole that, that that you have to take responsibility for, and you have to figure out who's going to fit in the best there. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But other than that, uh, I mean, it's a it's a situation where you weren't going to replace everything that Tyler Bowen gave you, but you can find a guy that can do a, a bunch of the things that are, uh, I guess align with Tyler Bowen's strengths, and I think that's what Ty, Ty Howe can bring to the table. I didn't wake up this morning thinking we'd go 25-plus minutes on tight ends, but here we are, and that's what the news dictates on a Friday. And By the way, Ty, Ty Howell doesn't have to break much ice, you would imagine, with Jerry Cross. Those two have already been collaborating in communication over the course of this recruitment. As we said, uh, not coming in cold with a new name, a new title certainly, and, and, and an elevated status within that recruitment, uh, but but should be some familiarity between the Cross family uh, and Ty Howell already. And all due respect to Tyler Bowen, and we spent a lot of time going over the accolades and on and off the field regarding him on our first episode this week, but the tight end brand, if you will, it has taken a step forward here under Bowen, and it will when Pat Fryermuth gets selected in the draft, but it does predate Tyler Bowen as well. Mike Kosicki, of course, one of the top tight ends off the board back in 2018. He's put himself in a great situation to earn a second contract in the NFL, a lucrative one at that. And, of course, Jesse James uh, got himself a, a, a new deal with the Detroit Lions free, free agency. Not as much star power necessarily on his end at the NFL, but that, that's a spot where, you know, 
even without Tyler Bowen, you can point to a lot of success. And, and with the young names, you'd think that would sustain into the future uh, under new leadership. We'll find out a lot about Ty Howell. We look forward to actually getting together with him in a media session. Not sure what the timeline will look like there. But we're going to shift gears, keep it on the 2022 core, uh, recruiting class, and look at quarterbacks because new offers are going out. Things are happening there with a fresh face at offensive coordinator. That's coming your way next on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sean Stain on the 2022 recruiting trail because we were moving forward from that 16-player class that we discussed um, and kind of wrapped up um, last episode with National Signing Day. A couple things that have popped up of late. I wrote about this yesterday, the quarterback group, and very quickly, uh, another offer went out, which makes three new 2022 quarterback targets since last Saturday. Um, you've got a couple down in Texas. You've got one in Ohio, and of course, you've got Bo Prabula on board since last summer as a four-star prospect and the premier passer in the state of Pennsylvania. Mike Yersich, James Franklin and company, putting working quickly to expand that board and uh, not being shy at all when it comes to, you know, kind of looking at second options at that quarterback spot. Well, it's kind of following through with with what we said when they took Prabula is they plan to take one quarterback in 2022 unless something happened that changes those numbers. And obviously, Micah Bowen's, you know, just one and done. Will Levis getting out of there? Those numbers are are depleted. You have to go around and and, and try and figure something out. I, I'm, and I still think they look into the portal to see what they can do. But 2022 is a, is a chance where – you sort of hit that reset button, try and refresh some things, and you know you you've got Prabula, who's a good looking prospect, but you've also got the opportunity to say, okay, here's a new offensive coordinator, here's my chance to be his guy. And if you're Drew Alar or Cape Klubnik, uh, we mentioned AJ Duffy, who is down at IMG now, who you know has has visited Penn State, who's been in the picture for a long time, and then Nick Evers at Texas. So they're going to keep expanding that net, and there's really no reason not to right now because the numbers are so down, and and you can't. You know, obviously, you're going to be walking on thin ice with three quarter, three scholarship quarterbacks this year. Um, but you, you never know what's going to happen at that position. I mean, you you get uh, Taquan Roberson another year uh, in the system. You get him another year or take another year of eligibility. You don't know what happens with him next offseason. Sean Clifford, obviously, a, a wild card as 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 he has been for the last year and a half. Um, so, I mean, there's a there's a lot going on there. A lot of moving pieces, and we know the quarterback position is just so. 
um, fragile, you know, for, for lack of a better term. Um, we see that the guys have moved out every year. Michael Johnson Jr., of course, moved on. Michael Bowen's moved on. Doesn't have to be that guy that's been sitting for three years that wants his shot. Can be a guy that comes in, sees maybe I don't fit here. Maybe this isn't the, the right offense for me. Maybe this isn't the right you know, academic setup for me, school for me, something like that. And then they move on. So, I mean, there's, there's really no reason not to target another guy. And, you know, if your such has, uh, has relationships with these guys dating back to his previous uh, institutions, then you might as well go with it. Quarterback these days in college football just feels like a position that you never stop recruiting, regardless of whether the kid is enrolled on your campus and taking classes or not. Uh, because it's there's just you need to come up with a convincing and compelling case to keep these guys on campus a lot of times, even when they're only a year into their careers. And it also feels like you know strong playmaker or strong play callers and offensive coordinators like a Mike Yersic, you're kind of always recruiting them to stay on campus because they've always got offers every offseason. So I think that that the combination you've got Sean Clifford who, you know, Joe Moorhead got him to the finish line on signing day. You've got Taquan Roberson, initially offered by Joe Moorhead, ends up being Ricky Brownie, who's the offensive coordinator when he signs. And then you've got Christian Veyu, just got to campus. He's He got to know Mike Gersuch, like, what, a week before he got to campus? But it was Kirk Shiraka and, and Ricky Ronnie who, who offered him. So it's been a revolving door for who these quarterbacks have interacted with and who they think they're going to put their eggs in the basket of in terms of a quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator. And then you've got these new, you know, external options that are emerging in the 2022 class. And uh, to this point, all they're going to know about Penn State is, is kind of that attachment with Mike Yursich because there hasn't been a lot of prior dialogue with, with the program in a lot of these cases. Well, it's the importance of the position. I mean, quarterback is, is obviously so important at every, every level here. Um, you know, college and pro and it's the exclusivity of the talent where, you're finding a lot of bad quarterbacks right now. And that's, you know, a lot of that has to do with, with how they're developed and, and things like that. And, you know, you, you probably, um, you know, recruiting a mirage at times when it comes to quarterbacks with, with what they're able to do at camps and shorts and t-shirts and everything like that. And honestly, you're at the spot and, you know, I'll use a pro situation here with, with Washington. You found out Dwayne Haskins was probably not going to be that guy. You didn't have to, to wait four years until his contract was up to say that you cut bait and go with it. You can do that now, you know, at the college level. And now you're not going to cut a guy or anything like that, but you're going to make it fairly clear that he's not in the plans. And and like I said, Michael Bowen's out after one year, Michael Johnson Jr. out after one year. I mean, this is not a situation where you have to, to, to bide your time and wait for that. You know, you're going to rarely see a guy that comes into his fourth year as a first year starter. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a, that's just not happening anymore. So, the, 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 the premium position versus the premium talent. You know, a lot of it's going to the same schools. Um, but it, it's really just a, a fascinating case study as to, you know, the haves and the have nots. And right now, Penn State, you know, uh, towing that line with the, with the have nots. So they got to figure out what they've got. They've got to figure out what they've got quickly and they've got to, you know, sort of move on from there. So, um, I mean, is it, I don't want to say a blessing in disguise that you don't have a Micah Bowen sticking around to, to figure out that he might not be the guy three or four years down the road. I think so. So you've got an opportunity like that, but at the same time, you got to find a guy that, that can come in and, and make those plays and, and actually replace him and be a high level college quarterback. Yeah. And in the area uh, or in the, this era of, of transfer quarterbacks stepping in and, and taking over top 25 programs and, and being part of that college football playoff conversation. Of course, we're talking about top level quarterbacks, 
who are able to step in and, and, and get to a campus and beat out other guys who have been around. But th- there's a lot of win now decisions being made in college football. And it feels like, you know, Mike Yursich coming in and dumping Kirk Shiraka so quickly that that's one of those moves. And you did it for a reason. And you're looking at the quarterback room where you signed four different quarterbacks between the 20, 2018 and 2020 recruiting classes. And Taquan Roberson is the only of those four who remains in that room with you going into this year. So Getting back to some of these new offers, we talked about Drew Alar in the past, a kid out of uh, Medina High School in Ohio, six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds. He's considered a three-star prospect, Sean, and uh, picking up offers from Michigan and Texas A&M pretty quickly after Penn State offered on Saturday, almost three thousand yards and twenty-six touchdowns through the air as a junior. Um, the the guy that stood out from to me a little bit here, Cade Klubnik. Not a lot uh, in terms of insight on, on his feelings about Penn State, but a little bit about Yursich, a guy who was offered by Yursich during his junior season at Austin Westlake High School, which is the same high school that produced Sam Ellinger, who was the starting quarterback for Texas last year under Yursich. So there's there's a dynamic in play there. This is a kid who has seen his recruitment blow up because he had a ridiculous uh, junior year during a state title run there at Westlake, almost 70% pass completion, 3,500 yards throwing, 50 total touchdowns, only three interceptions during the 2020 campaign. Um, he didn't roll out visiting Penn State, but right now no one can visit anywhere, and he's got a lot of opportunities to visit a lot of different schools, and he's a kid who, who is really just starting to develop those relationships because, again, his recruitment has, has taken a different has reached a different tier in the last few months. So he's got some catching up to do. He wasn't a kid who was, you know, a freshman with a bunch of offers at quarterback, uh, which you, you do see from time to time. And then another offer goes out in Texas. This one goes out Tuesday. And by the time you hear this podcast, we'll have a story up on lines247.com. Uh, Nick Evers out of Flower Mound High School in Texas. That's another school that you should be familiar of, uh, f- familiar with if you follow uh, recruiting. And, and this is a kid, 6'3", 190-pound range, Right now, doesn't even have a composite ranking. So, so he's really seen him, himself ascend on the stage. Uh, his quarterback's coach is Kevin Murray, the father of Kyler Murray, guy who's worked with a lot of quarterbacks down there in Texas. And Murray and, and, and Yursich have a, a rapport in place already. And Nick Evers went so far to say that he loves Mike Yursich's approach, uh, his coaching style. So there's a lot of familiarity in place here. I think some already because of what he's hearing from his QB coach. But he's a kid who says, if these COVID restrictions change up and I can get to Penn State, that's definitely a place I want to get to. So Nick Evers all of a sudden goes from a player I hadn't really heard of to a guy that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on here on Penn State's quarterback target board. Well, you recruit the guys you know, and that's really the, the, the way that new coaches can assimilate themselves into this new staff is, especially in a, in a time when you can't get them on campus, you recruit these guys that you've had relationships with, or at least you, you know of, you know, there's some guys that you, you know, maybe a, a Klubnik didn't get his offer from Texas until very late, if I, if I recall. By the way, Texas October. and Texas, yeah, yeah, Texas and Texas A&M both took commitments from quarterbacks this week. So that's an interesting one to me. Now, of course, you say Penn State's already got a quarterback commitment too. So, you know, you're obviously either not going to scare him off or completely everybody's going to scare him off if they if he wants to be a second quarterback. Um, but Klubnik's interesting. Westlake High School, obviously, you know, you're not going to find too many pedigrees out there. Drew Brees went there. Uh, Nick Foles went there. 
Uh, you know, there's been uh, Sam Ellinger, of course, uh, right. who, yeah. who Yersich just just coached at Texas. I was there. Uh, former Blue Jays third baseman Kelly Gruber, also. I, I looking looking at Wikipedia here, went to Westlake. I was going to so, say this is impressive if you're not looking at something. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the way we that's the way we do it here. Live uh, live research on the podcast. Um, but yeah, this is just an impressive junior year. It's his first full year as starter. Um, came in, won a state title, beat Quinn Ewers for the state title, and just kind of you know did every did everything. I don't know. I think he's probably a lot, you know, in the sense of uh, a prospect like Bo Perbula. has got a lot of work to do as a passer, but guy that came in, did some great things, um, won at that level in Texas, which is extremely hard to do. Um, so there's a lot to like there. And Evers uh, still need to do a little bit more research here. But, you know, if, if you're a guy – Who's Texas's, Texas's old offensive coordinator, you know, centered in on and, and offered, um, out of Texas. That says, uh, says his, his stock is probably going up. And we've seen these guys, including Alar, who's, uh, who's Michigan offered and some other schools have offered, uh, recently outside of his general area. The stock is going up on these quarterbacks because it is such a premium position. These guys that may have been passed up the first several months of their recruitment all of a sudden are, are very hot names. And I do believe because of the way this cycle has been structured, guys not getting their junior seasons, guys not going to the camp and, and different evaluation things on the national circuit, we're going to see a little bit of a lag in terms of when quarterbacks are coming off the board and announcing their commitments. Very often you see a, a major, major percentage of junior quarterbacks at, uh, you know, committing before they get to really the, the second half of that junior year or certainly the summer before their senior year, I think you're going to see more guys, Sean, go into late spring, early summer. You hope that there's a window of opportunity there to get to different campuses, maybe use some official visits, get to different camp circuits, elevate your status, earn some other offers. So I think maybe we see uh, a few more uncommitted names, and, and maybe that impacts the way Penn State approaches things. Uh, among this group, You know, we just talked about it. There's guys who have really seen their stock jump in a big way, and yet – you know, they can't really kind of follow through with that by, by checking out schools just yet, maybe at the end of April, maybe into May. I, I know for me, one thing that looked like a step forward was seeing the Elite 11 announce their regional tours. We're going to get one in Philadelphia, which is awesome. The first time they'll have an Elite 11 regional there. That'll be a big opportunity for Bo Perbula to go show out and what he can do against some of his top peers. But I really think that maybe we push back the quarterback conversation a little bit further into the cycle than we normally would be accustomed to doing. It's going to be fascinating to see those guys that rise up in June or July because you think about it, the, the 22 guys didn't have the camp last summer, and that's probably affecting them more than anything is that these coaches didn't get to see them throw, probably not going to get to see them throw in the spring with a spring evaluation period. So those camps, if we're able to get them this summer, are going to be really, really important. And you're going to find some guys that slip through the cracks, uh, you know, whether they didn't have junior seasons or whether you know something crazy happened with, you know, maybe there's an injury or something like that, you're going to see guys legitimate, you know, 2022 quarterbacks that can go to big schools rise up uh, over the summer this year. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I think Christian Veyu was offered by Penn state following a camp in the summer before his junior year. Uh, same goes for Taquan Roberson summer before his junior year offered out of camp not always exactly structured that way, but that is a huge, huge stretch for quarterbacks going into their junior year. And then you factor in that a bunch of these QBs, a name like A.J. Duffy, who we've talked about before, now at ING Academy, 
he didn't have a, a fall football season out in California. So that's a major absence of, of fresh game tape, fresh eyeballs on a kid to see how he's progressing at quarterback where, you know, kids can hit a plateau from, from a physical standpoint or, or from a, just from a, an arm quality standpoint. And they're maybe not the projectionable quarterback or passer that you thought they would be when they were a high school sophomore versus when they're a high school senior. So still a lot to learn about this group, but very clearly Mike Yersich, uh staying aggressive, James Franklin giving him the green light to do so. But let's remember, Sean, they've got a good quarterback on board already, and, and good probably isn't a strong enough word. Bo Perbula, I think he stands to gain a lot by hitting the camp circuit. I think we'll see him in Philadelphia at that Elite 11 regional, and, and we'll go from there. But uh, people have been saying, well, why isn't he rated higher? Look at the stats. He was the Class 6A Pennsylvania Player of the Year, You know, led a Central York team to its first state championship game, put up a ton of crazy numbers with a shortened junior season. I think you want to see him, you know, take that next step and and, and, and th- that will be an opportunity to do so. But he's a four star in the composite. He on pace to become the first Pennsylvania quarterback to sign as a scholarship uh, a guy for Penn State in about a decade. Um, and let's not forget, if they bring in a second quarterback, that guy's going to have to be fighting tooth and nail against Bo Perbula. And you got to find the right dynamics. Bo Perbula has sounded open to having that second quarterback as part of the class since we spoke to him right after he committed to Penn State. Christian Veyu, if you heard him on the podcast uh, you know, last year, it was important to him to be the only quarterback in that 2021 class, and that's the message they got across to him. Over the course of his eight recruiting cycles thus far, James Franklin has two multi-QB classes, and in both instances, one of those QBs was gone from campus within a year. Michael Johnson Jr., Mike O'Connor, 2020, uh, 2019 class, 2014 class. So, as is often the case, one guy sticks around, one guy realizes the writing is on the wall and he's got to find a different spot. Yeah. And uh, first off, don't don't hit someone with, why isn't he ranked higher? Check out his stats. Just please no, don't do thank, that. That's, thank you. <laughs> oh my God. That's just sticking in my – I don't even know what you said because that part is sticking in my head. Same. You've with, heard uh, that one a time or two, haven't you? I've heard that one. I've heard the offer list, which you know there's, there's a little bit more credence in the offer list, but not much considering how offers are thrown around these days. Um, so I, I – yeah, I, I agree with what you said even though I was only half listening because that one just <laughs> stuck in my head and gave me a little little headache for the last couple of minutes. Well, that's, uh, that's about all we got today. It was a bit of a scrambled show. We, we had a different game plan coming in, but that just gives us more to talk about next week. We're going to have the schedule announcement coming uh, apparently in, in the early afternoon. So by the time you hear this podcast, we should have uh, some information up on the site about that, some reaction. A revised Big Ten schedule is what we've been told. We'll dive into that next week. We'll have a, a, another guest on the show, at least another, maybe a couple over the course of the week. But plenty more to talk about. The 2022 cycle is going. Uh, coverage of these quarterbacks is up on lines247.com. Coverage of the Holden Stays decommitment and the, the promotion uh, for Ty Howell also up on lines247.com. Anything else to add before we send it to the weekend, Mr. Fitz? No, and I, I – I- came off as probably downplaying Bo Perbula there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be important for him to get out there. I want to see him at the lead 11 continue to progress as a passer. So I don't want to leave, don't want to sell him too short when I'm talking about, you know, his stats and everything like that. So, um, but no, that's pretty much it. If, if we sounded fragmented, it's because we were, this is the second time uh, we're trying to piece together this quarterback's discussion. Um, but uh, yeah, we hope, hopefully we made enough sense for you today and, and, and we'll be back next week to, uh, 
to, to hopefully make a little bit more sense and talk a, a little bit more and catch up with Eric Wilson, the newest uh, member of Penn State's transfer class as well. But that's that's pretty much all I got, assuming nothing else breaks today when we have to turn around and, and do a, an entirely new episode. Oh, man, it's it's only lunchtime. Too early to assume that. We'll, we'll see what the rest of this Friday brings, and, and whatever it does bring, we will cover it in episode one next week. We hope to bring on some guests. As Sean mentioned, a, a lot more content coming your way. Uh, go check out the reaction to this promotion for Ty Howell, the decommitment from Holden Stays, and this quarterback conversation that we just covered. Have a lot on the site right now in the form of written content for you to check for a little bit more detail on what we've discussed here throughout the episode. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast where we record a show every single day of the week except for the five where we do not. We'll talk to you real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.